Have you always wanted to do something? Have you ever felt the passion or drive towards something and dreamed to one day achieve it, but for whatever reason you held yourself back? What if I told you that you have the ability to do whatever you want to do in life? What if I gave you the key to success? Would you take it? Or would you be too afraid of the unknown? You have to understand that every choice you have made in life led you to where you are today. Don't put it off. Your success is right here, right now, if you want it. The question I ask you is, why wait? Happy Monday, happy Monday, my beautiful people. Welcome to Why Wait, an inspirational and motivational podcast helping you find success and live the best life you can one day at a time. Thank you so much for joining me. It's your boy Danny Rice here, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Folks, first and foremost, if you like this podcast, if you love it, if you love the content and the value that it's bringing to you, I want you to go ahead and scroll up or down, locate that like, that favorite or subscribe button, and press it. Go ahead and press that button. And I thank you for the support. And that way, you'll be notified every Monday when there's a new episode. We wouldn't want you to miss any material, folks. And if you think this podcast could benefit anyone else, go ahead and share Share with your friends or your family or your colleagues, anyone that needs to hear a little motivation, a little inspiration. It never hurts, folks. It changes lives every single day. You never know what you can hear or what someone else will hear from any, from any of my guests or myself that can change their lives. So you can go ahead and share, folks. Share with anyone you know. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the support. Folks, why wait? Why wait to live the best life you can, to live the best life you know you deserve? My next guest asked himself that question, and he is the example of why wait. I'd like to thank you for tuning in today, and I'd like to thank you for listening to his story. Share his story and his success. Stay tuned, folks. We got a great episode coming up. Talk to you soon. No puede ver tu valor que tú eres inteligente y bonita como son siempre brillas. Todo eso tú sabes. Perfecta como Mona Lisa. Tengo tiempo para, no tengo prisa Toma mi mano y tú ya ves Déjame ayudar
We are here with a very special guest. He is a singer, actor, philosopher, and he's from Colombia. Currently living out an experiment on minimalism, tiny house, and living, and creating music using the sun, which sounds extremely interesting. Can't wait to talk to him about it. Everyone, please welcome JC Gonzalez. Woo! What's up, buddy? How are you? Nice to see you. Oh, Thank you for uh, joining me here on Why Wait. Yeah, man, why wait? <laughs> why wait? Time is now. Um, so how's your week going? My week is fantastic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this week is actually kind of crazy. I recommitted to a bunch of different things. Oh, yeah, right, like um, what? I have this uh, obsession with uh, like routines, and uh, I used this website called Stick S T I K K, and you can basically uh, wager things that you're going to stick to and put money on it. Oh, wow, okay. So what I have right now is I have a stick going for uh, sobriety until mm -hmm. October 14th, just because I'm doing this the MIT training right, program. Right, for sure. And, um, and then waking up at 6 a.m. and being in bed by 12 a.m. And so I have a, a person who's a good friend of mine. He's a, an accountability buddy. Mm -hmm. And I send him snapshots of my journal in the morning and at night with time codes on it okay. to make sure that I'm doing my night routine right. as, I, as, I, as I say and I have to submit a video um, at, the, at a certain time of the morning to make sure that I'm up and right, if right. I don't do it so check it out so this is what's cool about the, cool about the website if, if you don't follow through with whatever you stick to uh -huh. you put money on the line and that money if you lose it it goes to a charity that you hate. <laughs> <laughs> so, people, really? so people put all sorts of things on there, like uh, quit wow. smoking, uh -huh. uh, lose this much weight, play right. with your kids, whatever. And so uh, it's a way to really put your money where your mouth is. Oh, wow. And so I put $1,100 on this stake that, you know, if I don't stick to this, I will lose $1,100 and it will go to a charity that I detest. That you do not like. And what kind of charity? I am not going to tell you. I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> wow, that's that's actually pretty amazing. What is it called again? Stick? S-T-I-K-K. S-T-I-K-K. Yeah. And I became, um, I uh, I heard about it from Tim Ferriss in one of his first books. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I've been using it for on and off for like five or six years. Anytime I really like, I'm like, okay, I need to like. To really knuckle down. And oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, and no... No excuses, right. blah, 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 like put your money with, where your mouth is. Like, right. that's where I go. Right. Um, well, and it's it. been pretty effective. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Well, um, JC, tell us about <laughs> you, man. What? Tell us about your upbringing a little bit, where you're coming from, what what kind of shaped your uh, mindset. Not now, but mm -hmm. you coming up. Oh yeah. Okay. So um, it goes back to the little Jason. Back to Juan. Well, okay, we're gonna <laughs> Juan, be, we're gonna go back. Juan Camilo. We're going uh, get back to Juan. Juan. Okay. Uh, so uh, my name is Juan Camilo Gonzalez Ochoa Trios Okay. Um, JC for the Gringos. <laughs> I was born in Bogota, Colombia. Nice. And uh, I was I'm the oldest of three kids. My mom is an architect. My dad uh, was a businessman. Um, so I grew up in South America when my little brother Danny was born. Yeah, that's my um, name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My little brother, uh, well, his name is Daniel, but we call him yeah, Danny. Danny. Uh, he was born with a rare muscular disorder called AMC. Mm. It's uh, arthroporosal uh, con congenital, I believe is how you say it. It's a long name. Yeah. But if you've ever seen kids that, or people have like their muscles retracted, it's right. a muscular and uh, joint disease mm -hmm. um, where your muscles don't develop at the same rate. And so you don't have the same flexibility. You certainly don't have the same strength. Right. So when my little brother was born you know the doctors immediately told my parents like hey 
Your son's not going to be able to feed himself, dress himself, walk. Uh, he's not going to be a normal kid. And I know, like, when my, as soon as my mom heard that, my mom was like, well, fuck that. Right. My, my, my son's going to be a normal person. Right. And so immediately my mom, you know, started doing research and looking for places and hospitals and the medicine in Colombia wasn't the best towards that particular condition. So um, my mom found out that in Houston, uh, there's uh, the Shriners Hospital and a, a lot of medical, uh, uh, it's a huge medical place. And uh, one of the things that they they had was AMC treatment centers right. at, at the Shriners Hospital. So like, you want to talk about like, why wait? Like immediately within like, I, like, a month and a half, my family literally stopped everything we were doing in our right. country, packed up everything, and we moved to the United States. Oh, wow. So, and wow. I was, I remember I was eight years old, and so that was like, that was a huge, huge shift in my life. Right. Um, because I, you know, I'd already grown up. Of course. Right. And, and I'm all of a sudden thrown into America. A different, yeah, culture, different, everything, right? Um, so where did you move to when you came here? Uh, I'm... Um, so when, where did you move to when you came to the U.S.? Houston. Okay. Houston, Texas. Okay, you came to Houston. Um, yeah, Houston has a huge medical uh, center there, uh, one of the biggest in the world. So that's where it went. And I remember since, like, I was a kid, every day there would be a therapist coming over to the house mm -hmm. and doing physical therapy with my little brother. A lot of really painful things, like a lot of, like, yeah. you know, just things where my brother would be screaming. And it's just incredibly kind of tough to deal with at the time um i didn't really understand it right. at that age um but uh flat so <laughs> flash forward 10 years later um my little brother is uh i'm coaching his flag football team and he comes up to me and he's playing quarterback and he's like hey if i if i see cover two do i throw the skinny post and i say yes absolutely <laughs> my brother drops back and we're playing like a i think wow. in the finals and my brother drops back and throws a laser and hits this kid in the in the face <laughs> wow. proudest moment of my life wow uh so my brother beat it yeah my brother is an absolute uh, rarity to the to, to amc patients uh uh, sometime around the like his, the age of like seven or eight, like they saw the progress that he was making, and so the, they started giving him free operations. Mm -hmm. They used to give him operations in asylums with like uh, all the doctors watching right. uh, behind like uh, you know glass. Yeah. And so my brother became an example of what's possible for that specific uh, disease. Of course. Um, and so again, like you know, I, I remember this like distinct image in my mind when I was a kid, and um, and I remember waking up one night like one in the morning and, and walking out to the dining room and seeing my little brother like sitting in a chair with food in front of him and my mom was just sitting there and she would say to him eat and forcing my brother to be able to grab the food bend his arm and be able to bring it to his face and you know at the time it was just not something i could really process yeah. um but now as an adult i look at that and go like wow like like that's what it just that's just what it took. Right, it is exactly. Um, and so that really like as a as a young as a young kid that really changed my mind. This is like what's possible. And right. when people tell you you can't do this. Yes. Come on. Right. No, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. That, your your mom's uh, mindset was amazing. Yeah. You know, and and I'm sure you know it instilled a lot in your in the kids. You said you're the oldest of three, right? Mm -hmm. And this was your youngest, right, Danny? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's just, 
uh, like a warrior mentality. I love it. Like a lot of people will look at that and be like, oh, you know, that's kind of harsh, you know, but that's literally what it took. And to change the mindset and just to keep pushing forward. And that's, that's incredible. That I, that's incredible. Um, so you're here with your, your, your brother and that, um, flag football, right? Mm-hmm. You said that was the proudest moment, right? <laughs> <laughs> Seeing him knock someone in the face. So where, where's your brother now? Is he, uh, is my, he back in Houston? Yeah, my brother, my brother's 21. My brother works in the, new, uh, in the world of nutrition. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, he's uh, working towards becoming, uh, a physical trainer. Nice. So it's funny, right? Because like he goes from like not ever, not even being able to develop nice. muscles to like that's 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 the path that he's on. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, and obviously, like I'm a big supporter of supporter of his, and he understands that he has to work twice as hard. Yes. Because of the the condition that he has, but uh, nonetheless, like he's an ambassador at Shriners Hospital. Nice. He's somebody that comes back. He's always invited to to speak mm-hmm. on behalf of uh, AMC patients, and you see the kids that have like the same condition you see right. adults and it's like you know you really don't remember you right. really don't know because i'm just so accustomed to my brother and then you see these people that don't have these abilities and you're like wow wow yeah you know you take it for granted you, you do. really do um really take it for granted so and it's interesting you know i can relate in so many levels as far as my brother being um um disabled for quite some time it's so easy to just become a victim of the situation um, what was for you and your family? What was the biggest thing that helped um, you all become more powerful and look over that victimization that most people fall trapped to, and they just can't move forward after that? What was the biggest thing that helped us move forward? Yeah, um, each other. I mean, mm-hmm. my family. I don't have I don't have family in this country, for example. Like mm-hmm. I don't have cousins. I don't have uncles. Everybody's back. Yeah. in the motherland. Yeah. <laughs> and but uh you know like that's that's what we had man and so i think growing up like there was just this very clear you know unity to between the five of us that you know this is this, this is what we got mm-hmm. especially being in a new country right. not knowing the language not being accepted uh my parents decrees they count here in the united yeah, states yeah. and so it's like you're starting from square one mm-hmm. um so we at the end of the day you know it's like we just had each other and uh that's yeah. pretty strong. Yeah, it's 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 just. Uh, yeah. How was that transition for you? Um, from 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 yeah, Colombia to here. <laughs> okay, so my very first day in America, uh-huh. my mom my mom is so ambitious. We got off the plane and she took me straight to school. <laughs> <laughs> You're going straight to school. Um, and I remember like showing up at school and then like. I don't know. They gave me like an English test, which I totally failed. Of course. <laughs> and they put, and then, then they put, they stuck me in a classroom. And I remember like sitting down. I don't know anything that's going on. All of a sudden, there's like this loud voice that comes over the speaker, <laughs> and everybody stands up, puts her hand on their oh, chest, God. and they start mumbling a bunch of shit. <laughs> And I'm like, what is going on? I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just really kind of like petrified at that point. And I remember the teacher like looking at me, pointing at me and saying like, okay, stand up, do as everybody else. And that's where my, that's where my indoctrination began. Oh, but uh, great, great welcome to to America. Everyone's uniform. Everyone's the same. uh, So it's, it was interesting because I mean, I grew up, uh, 
with two perspectives. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm an immigrant. I'm a Colombian. I speak Spanish. I have these cultural values. And here I am in this new world. And I'm like thrown into this massive melting pot of hip hop and rap and mm-hmm. music, which is a huge influence in my life. Uh, the arts, the movies. I mean, my parents are always working. So I was always at home for the most part with my brother and sister. But, you know, I, ha- I would just like grab my bike and just ride around the block. You know, and then I'd ride around the neighborhood and then I'd ride around the, like the whole city. And I would just, you know, so it was, it was great. I mean, I didn't have anybody to like, tell me anything. Like I didn't have any older, any older brothers. Yeah. I didn't have any older influences. There was nobody telling me about the Rolling Stones or the Beatles or yeah. whatever. Like I was kind of really left to myself to f- figure out life mm-hmm. um, in a sense. And, um, you know, I think also the, the, the clash of, of values between like the, Colombian Catholic immigrant ideas versus like American right. ideals uh, was a huge. I was I really got the opportunity to like step back and see both mm-hmm. from a very interesting point of view. And I think as 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 I've grown up now, it's like that's something that's a big part of me because I'm like, I've been able to see both sides. Yeah, of course. Um, so um, so in, mm-hmm. when you say you you had to figure a lot of things out, you know, by yourself. Um, how did this affect you? in your young adulthood um, as far as being really naive of some things or not knowing some things, maybe looking for some things in the wrong places. Well, I was curious. I mean, I think I always like, again, like going back to like riding my bike around, like that's just the way I examined life. Like I just, mm-hmm. I was just an explorer. Um, I didn't know a lot of things and I didn't know I was like wrong in things until mm-hmm. people told me I was very, you like you had to prove things to me. I was I would debate my teachers. I would debate my, my, <laughs> Catholic, I would debate my Catholic teachers. Like I, no, but like at eight years old, like yeah. nine years old, like yeah. like yeah. help me understand right. why I need to be doing this. That's awesome, yeah. Um, and so I had that mentality growing up, and um, just like questioning authority at all points. And mm-hmm. I mean, it got me in trouble yeah, yeah. a lot. <laughs> and so I would get and, in, and I remember in Catholic school in in Colombia, like I would get spanked for questioning, yeah. and then I'd go home. And my parents would see that I questioned and then I get spanked some more. <laughs> so I grew up like believing like what, like, you know, that it's, it's not okay to, to question things and it's not okay to, to, to question authority. It's not, you know, and yeah. so I, I grew up with a, a lot of disdain for, for authority and mm-hmm. society. And I remember when I'm like, I was a kid and I, my dad asked me like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a philosopher. And he said, no, 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 no. Pick something else. There's no money in that. <laughs> and I remember being like enraged. Like I ran, I ran into my room. I slammed the door. I, you know, I cursed her name and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, re- but I remember thinking, I was like, "What kind of world do we live in that right. we like truth does not have value?" Right. And that really kind of always had me. And as I grew up, you know, I, I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to make an impact. I know that I, I was really involved with people. I know that I really loved ideas, and I think that really. Um, and then kind of um, transformed into me as an artist and being able to say things right. about life and music where I'm able to, you know, paint pictures with mm-hmm. sound and tell stories and really, you know, press forward, you know, different perspectives and right. whatever truth, which who knows what the truth is, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has a version. <laughs> right, exactly. So that, so it's like, I really got, I mean, that's really what I, a big foundation of like, of who I was back then and what I do now right. is like, I'm a, I'm constantly in question of what is and that everybody has their perspectives and 
you know, there are universal truths and then there's individual truths. And so being able to share that in music and saying in a way that creates value for others. Right. And that's a big thing in regards to the, like the, my impact that I'm committed to making, mm-hmm. um, that I want to do something that ignites positive change. I don't want to keep people in this loop of materialism and, you know, yeah. having, you know, I don't know, these false ideals that are, you know, pushed forward by, you know, mainstream media and all these kinds of, of things. Course, but, of uh, but yeah. When, um, so when you, when people just kind of go with the flow, you know, and they're all, and people get stuck in this, this, cube <laughs> this little cube and their own personal bubble in space yeah. and they don't question anything people just do as they're told you know that's majority of the country how important would you say as a kid to really question and to to take in knowledge um from others um as much as you can to finding your own truth in growing up. Yeah, so I'll, I'll circle around to say, so my mom is an architect mm-hmm. by trade, and when she moved to the United States, she worked her way up, and she got a job at University of Houston and then became a professor. So my mom, you know, like now my mom works for a university and mm-hmm. teaches. Um, I think the thing, though, however, to look at is that, you know, what – I always have this debate with my mom, like, what is education? Yeah. What is it? What is it? Mm-hmm. What, what is it really at its core? And for me, is like the ability, it's like for kids to have that natural wonder and being able to explore ideas, explore their imagination without the ramifications of you're not doing it right or you're getting an F or you're getting an A or right, whatever. Right. And so it's like you, we look at the systems that we have and it's like, I think it's absolutely grotesque that the, the, the results that we're getting, that the most beautiful wonderful part of a human being of a child that innate part of them that wants to learn is absolutely crushed um if and it's and if it's if it's not crushed it's create it's molded into this like follow directions Mm -hmm. do as you're told uh the person that gets the highest grade is the person that just does you know does everything everything, which there is value of course in following instructions there's value in being able to lead you know being um you know being a good follower and as to a sense but you know, it's like there's a saying like uh, uh, it's the C students that end up owning the company yeah. and they hire the A students. So and so and so like when I remember I remember graduating high school and I got like full rides to a bunch of different schools mm-hmm. and I got accepted to every school in Texas. And my mom was like anxiously waiting like the day, the decision day. She's like, so what school are you going to go to? I'm like, well, um, <laughs> considering that. You know, you've never asked me what I want to do, mom. And you've asked me what I'm actually passionate about. Mm -hmm. I don't know why in the world you're asking me why college is a, why, why that's an option. And considering that there's this thing in my pocket called an iPhone that has 99% of the information. I don't know why in the world (laughs) I would make the decision to go to an institution to pay hundred thousand dollars for a piece of paper that is not going to guarantee me a job, not going to guarantee me money, and most certainly is not going to guarantee me happiness. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take my chances as an artist. And and so I packed up my car, stuffed my little Honda Accord and drove west and uh, moved to Los Angeles. I wait. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it had to be very bold on your part, obviously, but you just, like I said, you listen to your heart but follow your mind you know because mm. your your heart is you know it's, it knows what you want but your your mind is automatically 
gonna protect you, gonna mm-hmm. try to protect you out of everything. Mm-hmm. But it does know logistics, so that's why you have to to follow it. Um, and it's just like Ralph Emerson said, you know, I never let my education get in the way of my learning, mm-hmm. and I think that speaks volumes, especially in today's education system. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's move to to you as an artist now. So. When you got here to LA, um, and you, what was the, like your first thing that you just uh-huh. got into? Okay, yeah. So I packed up my little Honda Accord, drove west. I arrived in Echo Park in Los Angeles, yeah. and I uh, booked an apartment with uh, with the two other actor friends from Houston. And I remember my first week uh, in LA. I was like, uh, I was I was living in the living room. Uh, of this one bedroom apartment my my other friend was staying in the dining room my other friend was actually got the the one bedroom uh, and uh, i remember being sick as a dog and laying on the floor on on a deflated air mattress and i got an audition that day for uh, the tv show parks and recreation mm, nice. and i somehow pulled myself together and got to the casting i don't remember anything that happened oh, wow. and uh two days later i got a call that i booked it and I was like, what? <laughs> so next thing I know, I'm like on set of like a huge TV show. And, if, you know, Parks and Recreation was huge. Of course. And, uh, and I remember uh, being on set with like, you know, I, I knew who Amy Poehler was and just watching her. And mm-hmm. I had this really fun role with uh, Aubrey Plaza. And I remember being in, the, in this one van with the, the rest of the uh, other uh, characters that I was with. And there was a guy um, named Fred Arneson. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people know, and yeah. I was sitting in the van, and I and I remember asking him like, "Hey, how was your audition?" Uh. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and I went, and I was taking photos and stuff. You know, it's my first day on set. I don't know what I'm doing. And I and I and I, and I, and I go back to I go I go back home to my apartment with my with my roommates, and I show them the photos, and they're like, "Bro." That's Fred fucking. <laughs> I was like, who is that? And then look him up on IMDb, and I'm like, oh, oh no. Man. What was his reaction to that? Like, I would. <laughs> like, you know, what? what? <laughs> you know, well, he's you know he gives he gives you that look of like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, do you want to read lines? Can I help you? Do you, do you want me to read lines with you? He's like, uh. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and and, and I'm trying to be so helpful. So oh green. my god! <laughs> Hindsight, I was like, bro, do your fucking research. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! But uh, that That's was a hilarious. but that was a great opportunity, and um. You know, I think it, it really opened my eyes to like, oh, cool, like that's what a professional looks like. Yeah. That's what that's sure. what I really want to set my intention to be as an actor, and mm-hmm. you know, what would it be like to be on set? Um, so that was great. I think at the same time, though. I, the, the trap that I fell into is that I'm just going to like, I'm just going to get work and not have to put any work in. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so that immediately, I think, I mean, I did, I did have a lot of success in my first year, but I think as like, I got older and you know, the spectrum of like the casting world here in LA got bigger and there's just way more people and way more competition. I didn't really set myself up to win because mm-hmm. I wasn't training myself. Uh, at the time I was drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, my mind wasn't really focused. Right. And so I had a lot of, uh, tri- you know, trials with that and like finding out like, Oh shit, like there's a lot of work I get to put in. I really get to, you know, just like an athlete. I really get to yeah. train. I really get to train myself to, right. to be ready. And also like emotionally and mentally, like know what I'm asking myself to do on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. In regards to acting, storytelling, memorizing lines, being a professional. Um, and so that, you know, I definitely, if I could go back in time, 
I would like, <laughs> I would like slap myself times and, and get myself into a good acting acting school, and uh, I would have definitely done a lot more work on me. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a, I feel that's a lot. In the case of that's a lot of what people do, they come here and don't really put in the work um, to be successful as an actor, but then they just expect it to kind of happen. Um, and I see a lot of people, you know, they don't, or they go to like, to, um, excuse me, to auditions, um, not knowing the size, just getting the size, or they'll do like, you know, it's just a lot of things that, you know, people overlook. And why, where, why do you think people have this men- mentality of like, oh, it's easy, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it without any doing anything. I just walk in there and get it. Where does that mentality come from, you think? Uh, well, I mean, I think especially, you know, in the acting world, there's always this facade, this, like, magical idea that, like, oh, someone's going to see me at yeah. a cafe and they're going to mm-hmm. love me. And next thing I know, I'm going to be, right. you know, a lead on a show. Right. And, uh, I mean, I think maybe that was the case every now and then. Um, maybe like in the eighties or something like that before the internet, before people, you know, made the move out here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think there's just, there was just, there's, there's this aura about Hollywood. There's this aura about, you know, LA, the city of dreams that mm-hmm. people kind of get that, get in, like, get, get really high on that. They get really high yeah. on that idea. Myself included. I definitely, you know, had this like, oh, it'll take me two years to make a big kind of yeah. mentality. And, you know, to some extent, I think like that really was, that really choked me out because mm-hmm. I put also, I put so much pressure on myself that every casting was a do or die. Mm, okay. And so I would go into castings like, please, 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 please book me. And I was so concerned with that, that I didn't focus on what the fuck I was, yeah, what I was there to do. Right. Um, so, I mean, so there's this, you know, yeah, we, I, I think it's like, yeah, haven't had the, the big dream. Absolutely. Of course. Have a clear attention of where you want to be in the next two to five years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, set yourself up to win but at the same time have that piece of like uh ty lopez says this he says be impatiently patient mm-hmm. i am patient that things in my life are going to work out my career my finances my relationships but i'm impatient that today i'm going to get these things done on my to-do list right that are going to set me up to win so right. um so it's i think it's just a constant game of that like of, of like big picture mm-hmm. and then what's what's in front of you um, yeah, for sure. Play today. Okay, yeah, I, I can dig that for sure. So uh, you're here uh, in LA <laughs> after that crazy shit that happened. What's after that? Um, how? And you said you were you were unfocused, right? Um, and you were drinking a lot. Um, how was that time for you? What What was going through your minds? Like, um, you know, what would you get up and do daily? Um, and back then, yeah, when you were unfocused and what, like, what was going through your mind? Why were you unfocused? What, what were you, what was taking your focus? I should say, um, uh, away from your goals and your dreams. What was taking my focus? Um, I think back then, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was really in survival okay. a lot and I was being like, I was crushing myself with the pressure. Uh, um, I mean, I just remember one like Monday, Monday afternoon at like, I don't know, 11.30 a.m. And I was on my second margarita, <laughs> you know, and just like having that like realization of like, oh, shit. oh wow, <laughs> like, 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 you know, like being able to step back and go like, OK, problem. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I think for like the first five or six years in L.A., I was definitely in a mode of discovery and I had a lot of I had a really a lot of ups mm-hmm. and a lot and also a lot of like downs and um, 
I, re- I, I just discovered a lot of, I was just discovering who I am because exactly. for this, this whole time I'm like, you know, living under my parents, living right. in this, in this, in this, in, in, in Houston of all places, which is, you know, a different country as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, and, and so like being out on my own was this huge journey and I'm really grateful for it because I got to really see what, what was working and what wasn't and who am I, who, what do I want to create right. in my life? And like to answer your question, what did I do on a day-to-day morning basis, whatever? I had no idea. Mm. I didn't have a plan. Right. Right. Exactly. It was just like. It was just kind of like whatever happened, happened. Yeah. And it's so funny because flash forward now and that's completely the opposite. Now it's like there is absolutely a regiment. Different person. I mean, it, you grew. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, so when you came here, it was pretty much like someone who went to college, their experience, you know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're at home, you're with your parents. And when you go away to college, it's like, you're on your own and, and yeah. you got to figure things out, yeah. you know, and it's just, you, you're learning yourself. Every day we're learning ourselves. Yeah. You know? um, so that's fascinating. So when you started to realize and take a step back and say, there's a problem with what's going on right here in my life. When was that? And, what did you, what went through your mind? Um, I mean, I, I mean, the, 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 it wasn't so much a problem as it was like the situations that I was putting myself yeah. in. Um, I mean, I would definitely say like the situation for me was like, I'm, I'm, I'm a starving artist. Mm-hmm. I'm in a constant rat race of making money to pay for my apartment, to pay for yeah. acting classes, to pay for headshots, to pay for actors access to whatever. Right, right. Um, and so I was in this constant like hustle mode, which was great. And then at the same time, like there's, you know, with whatever free time I did have, you know, I was, you know, doing what people do at 21, 22 years old. And, um, I didn't even like smoke weed until I was like 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then I started smoking weed and then that became a thing. And, uh, I think for me, I had a propensity to, to get lost. Okay. I like, a, I knew that I had a, a self-destruct button that I like to press, mm. um, whether that was through alcohol or like excessive, like <laughs> you binge watching YouTube videos yeah. or, uh, you know, or marijuana or video games. Like I just, I was always avoiding the things that I really needed to do, which was, you know, practice. And so going into later on, I had this massive discovery about music. Mm-hmm. And I had done some things in the past. I was like on a singing show when I was 17 on mm-hmm. MTV called uh, Making Manula, which is like making the band yeah. without P. Diddy. <laughs> uh, I was on uh, a show called The Glee Project, which yeah. was like a reality TV show to find the next star on Glee. Okay. I was on that. And then I was on The X Factor season two. Okay. And so I've gotten, I had, I've gotten little glimpses and I've always had a voice. Right. But I never put it into practice. I never trained myself. I never did anything. Right. And there just came like there just came some moments like little flashes, where like I just like wait, what if music is the thing? And I just knew it. I always knew that music was my major passion, mm-hmm. and I never and I just kind of like kept sweeping it underneath the rug. Yeah. And I think uh, there's something Oprah says that you know like you know uh, the universe or God is going to whisper things to you. Yeah send you little messages and if you don't pay attention it's mm. gonna get louder mm. and it's gonna get louder until, yeah. until it hits you over the head and right. it wasn't until it hit me over the head that i was like oh uh-uh. oh like you know like this is this is why god put me on earth right, right to create and you know be an actor as much as like tell stories with music and be able to do that and so uh 
about uh, three years ago, uh, you know, when I uh, did uh, this emotional emotional intelligence training uh, called MITT, and I took the basic, and it hit me like a rock mm -hmm. that music was the thing that I loved, mm -hmm. and that I really got to stop waiting on it. And, right. You know, I had this idea, like after the X Factor, that like the phone is just going, the phone is going to ring, and people are going to call me and offer, you know, give me offers. Right. <laughs> like, come on <laughs> talk about delusion right? right right and so like i came to that realization and i remember the moment in my apartment in van nuys um not too far from here actually i had the realizing the moment of like man what am i doing uh -huh. and saying like i can't do this anymore like i can't i can't keep playing running in circles with trying to pay pay for this exactly. apartment and working all the time to keep up with this apartment and not having any money or time for acting or music right. or producing or, right. or do the things that I set out to do. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been here like six years in LA at this point. It's like, dude, something's got to change. Exactly. I remember the moment I was talking to this one producer and he said, you know, get your own studio. And I found a warehouse mm -hmm. in downtown LA, like a little spot for 400 bucks a month. And basically you could do anything on that spot. Okay. I sold everything I had, literally tossed my mattress out the window, uh, got rid of my apartment, and I moved into this warehouse, and I built a recording studio. Nice. Built all four walls, built a roof, insulated it, and from the ground up, I taught myself how to make music. From, like, literally building the box, nice. you know? And I got really excited, and I remember the moments, and there's, like, this big industrial warehouse next to, like, welders and painters and uh, carpenters and all these crazy artists and I remember like making music in there and just like working with another producer and just learning, okay, this is the computer system. Okay. This is a, a song and like doing cover songs, learning like how the Beatles wrote their music, how Sting wrote their music mm -hmm. and then how Latin music does their music and seeing like the complexity of like how Sting composes a song versus how like the most traditional Latin songs are, which right. are like the most basic thing on the fucking planet. <laughs> right. And so I got to like, really, I took myself to college. Okay. really what it was yeah. and i remember like showering underneath an obscure pipe in the ceiling uh every morning and like opening up the hangar door and like stepping over a bunch of like tweakers and homeless people uh to walk outside and like drink my coffee right. and there was a sense of like okay this is like really grimy conditions but i felt happy i was like i'm, I'm i was finally like on a mission on like, a i mission, was really right. i was really doing it and i remember like meditating every morning in front of the train tracks um, doing my acting work, writing my music, and like I knew that I was now in this, like in the in a flow state. I was like, I was connected to my source. Right. And it was a, a it was a turning point in my life. It was a turning mm -hmm. point in my career. Um, and uh, I just remember the things that started happening as a result of that. I remember one day this some guy like walked by the studio and he really liked what the music we were making, and he we got we got to know this guy. His name was uh, Wesley. And at some point, we find out he's a music engineer. Mm. Not only is he a music engineer, he's the music engineer for Little Wayne, mm. uh, Tyga, uh, uh, Mark Anthony, Ricky Martin, like all these big people. And I was like, whoa. And he's coming into my studio right. and working on my project and, you know, giving me feedback and mentoring me. And so, uh, like, that, yeah, it was just, just kind of happened. Right. And then... So that was a huge thing. And then flash forward like a year later, the, the warehouse shut down because the fire marshal walked in. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no. But then after that, at that point, you had, I believe you had um, really 
you know, got everything you needed out of that at that moment. And yeah. It was time to move forward. Yeah, and so I moved into a music studio in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and then after, and then I worked there for a bit, and then I uh, I went to go work as a uh, a personal assistant in downtown, and I was living downtown for a minute, and I remember. Uh, kind of going in and out of like sobriety at, at some points. And I remember at some point I went back to drinking and I was drinking myself to sleep. Mm. And I remember one night like blacking out in my car, mm. uh, sleeping in my car. And I woke up with like a, a huge hangover and headache. And I saw like the, the cans of beer on the, on the floor of my car. And I just like looked myself in the mirror and there was like, there was like that little voice that, that immediately chimed in and said, JC, that's enough. And I remember walking into a nearby bulletproof cafe and, and, uh, and I was like, and I had had these, all these visions of like having a studio and being independent and living out like my tiny house dream, which is something that I've come across. And I remember I started researching tiny houses and motorhomes and started like thinking like, okay, I, I get to find, I get to find that, like that spot. Right. And I did all the research. I created the spreadsheet with all these motorhomes and I found one motorhome uh, for an incredible price, huge, mm-hmm. uh, low mileage. And I went to go look at it with a mechanic. Right. Everything. Sorry, I'm just going to So motorhome, motorhome, motorhome. <laughs> so I finally found this motorhome and what I did in the spreadsheet is I would divide, uh, the mileage by the price would give me a good indicator of the value per motorhome that I was looking at. I found one that was like exceptional, like I mean, just the best, the best deal by far. And I went to go look at it with a mechanic and he checked it out and everything was, you know, working and everything was good. And, and I remember like, okay. And I ran the numbers. I did all the estimates. I said, okay, I'm going to do this as an experiment in one year. If I'm making this much money and these are my expenses, and then I pay off everything a little by the end of the year, I should have this much mm-hmm. and I should be free of rent for, you know, paid off my car, paid off a bunch of loans and basically have enough to where I don't really need to work. Right. And I remember I, I got a loan and I put a bunch of cash in this guy's hand mm-hmm. and I got, and I got in the RV and I drove off the lot. And I remember, I remember thinking, this is either the fucking dumbest thing I've ever done <laughs> <laughs> or the best decision I've ever made. Right. And that was uh, maybe a year and eight months ago. Okay. It's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah. I paid off everything to a T. I made, I was making three times more money than I was spending. Mm. So I flipped my entire financial situation upside down. I had money to invest. I had time on my hands. I threw, put a bunch of money in cryptocurrency. Mm. Good, good yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, sure. that worked out incredibly well. And I started, um, investing into producing more music and working with other producers and music videos and just really building my business. Um, so much so that, um, about six months ago, I got solar panels. I got a whole solar panel kit added to yes. my RV and I started building a recording, um, producing studio in the back of my RV because there's two rooms. Oh, wow. That's a huge RV. I have so much room. <laughs> um, and so I have a whole, I have a whole studio in the back, um, and it's all powered via solar power. And so I moved it to Venice, and so now I live now I live two blocks from the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm living off most uh, residuals and and uh, music placement that I have had, mm-hmm. and 
And I live two blocks from the beach. Yeah. I work fully as an artist. Yeah. Every day I have the opportunity to create. And man, my life has taken a beautiful turn. Right. Um, and but it all came from that, like a decision, like making a decision based on my vision mm-hmm. and not my circumstances. Right. And um, and I'm living it out. Um, one of my major influences, you, you, you talk about Ralph Waldo Emerson. Yeah. Henry David Thoreau was a big influence for me. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book called Walden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Walden, yeah. About, based on Walden Pond. Uh-huh. Right? So in the book, he talks about the economy. So Henry Debitore went to live in the woods mm-hmm. for two and a half years because he wanted to live off the land. He, like, bathed in the, in, in the river. Right. He wanted to live a life of purpose. And he wrote about the, the Native Americans that lived around and the, quote-unquote, savages mm-hmm. who lived in teepees and lived in these extreme conditions. Right. And so he would say, like, how is it possible that these savages can live in these extreme conditions, but when they need to go, they just pick up their teepee and move? Right. And here you go into the cities and you see the civilized right. <laughs> and they have these enormous houses that they don't use, mm-hmm. they don't own, and they are a slave exactly. to that existence. Right. And so for him, it was like, what's the in-between? Because I want to have the fortitude of the, of the natives, but I also want to maintain my professionalism and my... Um, intellectual uh, aspects mm-hmm. as, as, as a civilized person. Right. And so I, I really gravitated to that. It's like, okay, I want to be free to do whatever I want, have freedom of time, have freedom of location. and But at the same time, I'm not, I don't want to be like disheveled and, you know, lost and mm-hmm. homeless, but, I, 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 but, I, but I, I, I still have my professional endeavors that I keep up with. Right. And, uh, and so that's when the, the tiny house thing really clicked for me. And that's when I really began to see that as a possibility. And I, and up to this point, like, you know, I made the move, I made it happen. And it's funny to me now, right. like where I am and I, uh, my life has gotten so simple in the best of ways because my day is just about waking up and creating. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm, and when I feel like it, then I just walk to the beach or I bird, I bird, I oh, bird. to the beach. Oh. <laughs> So, which is like yeah, the, the future Oh my god! <laughs> um, and, and and I'm doing everything that I'm producing. My music company is called uh, Musica del Sol. Okay. Musica. Musica del Sol. Del Sol. Uh, ah, right. You, you like that? Probably. Yeah, yeah. Music from the from the soul. And, nice. um, and so I'm making it. I'm making it an argument with what I'm doing that you don't need a hundred thousand dollar studio. You don't need all these mm-hmm. different things with the rise in technology. And the ability for any kid with their iPhone or a, a crappy laptop to be able to create things. That's what I'm doing. I'm creating using the most abundant source on the planet, which is the sun. And you and it becomes very clear like how much it really takes to live. Right. That's the experiment for me. I'm, I'm here to find out what is the minimum amount I really need to live a life of happiness, purpose, joy. Right. Um, and, of course, you're exchanging things. Okay, like I can't take a five-minute shower. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I can't. There's sacrifice. You know, I would drain my tanks. There's only so much electricity that I'm going to pull from the sun every day. Of course. Um, there's only so much food that I get to prep, and so there's a lot of like minimalist techniques that I've adapted to. I wear the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have these uh, this clothing line called Ex Officio. Oh, okay. Um, it's travel underwear for like backpacking through Europe. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, so get this. I have. Uh, I essentially I have two shirts, two underwear, and two socks, and I shower with them on mm-hmm. and then I rinse them out and I hang them up to dry and then I put on the next one. Oh, okay. So I literally have worn the same two pieces of underwear for like the past year. 
Oh, wow. Uh, any wow. any of my girls. <laughs> Keep um, that on. So like, that's been fun. Um, that's crazy. Intermittent fasting has been a huge thing. Yes. Right? Yes. So that's been a huge shift as well. Um, and then you go back to like mindful meditation practices, you know, mm-hmm. meditation, journaling, um, checking in with yourself. It's uh, the whole thing. You know, people sometimes ask me like, oh, the RV is a big change. It's like, no, the mindset. Is yeah, change. of course. It's, mindset. It's, it's not just the living situation. Your mind, your mind changes. It's right. What you really need. Right. You're right. getting back to basics. We get back. We get a lot confused with what we really need and what we want. You know, we get those confused very, very often. Um, so we'll wrap up some things with uh, JC here. Um, first, the, it was an incredible opportunities that came your way, I just want to say. <laughs> and, and, like, opportunities come towards people all the time, but you have to be prepared and you have to be ready to take them. You know, and that's, that's what separates those who are successful from those who aren't. Um, so how is important for you, how important is it for you to create um, habits and rituals every day? Habits are everything. Uh, there's a saying that's routine and an intelligent man is a sign of ambition. Mm-hmm. So it always stuck yeah. to me that, you know, much like a computer turns on and it boots up, mm-hmm. there's certain things that happen for it to get the maximum amount of CPU. Right. The human body and the human mind, you, you boot up the same way. There's certain things you do every day that are going to give you the most amount of juice. Right. And our creativity and our willpower is like a battery and it depletes. Um, and you really want to get the most amount of juice uh, to the day. And so there's just simple things that I do in, in my regimen. Is like I wake up, I walk for 15 minutes, drink my coffee, I come back and meditate using HeartMath. HeartMath is a is an app with a you attach a clip to your ear mm-hmm. and it tracks how deeply you're meditating. Okay. Uh, then I journal. I do tapping meditation. Have you ever done tapping? I have not heard that. Oh, I got that one. I know. This is the new the new age woo woo. Um, <laughs> So you tap on uh, points on your face. Uh-huh. It's like almost like uh, pu- uh, acupuncture. Okay. And you do this for like, I do this for 10 minutes as I'm saying affirmations. Uh-huh. And then I go into uh, my coaching calls because right now I'm doing a, a coaching program. So I do coaching for other people and students and I right. ask powerful questions. And as soon as I'm done with that, I go into what I call my flow states. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's music creation, acting creation. Um, I, w- I do want to leave everybody with this really powerful nugget. I found this uh, formula for getting into states of flow. Okay. So everybody has like states of flow. There's leisure flow, like hanging out flow. Okay. There's maintenance flow, which is like brushing your teeth, cooking, uh, commuting. And then there's workflow. Most the, the hardest one for people is usually to get into that work state, right? Workflow state. Right. And there's an acronym called T I M E time mm. that gets you to go into a state of flow. And I use this all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a magic tool. Right. And the acronym is this. So decide on something that you want to do. So for example, I'm working on a casting today. Okay. So uh, I'm gonna so I'm gonna use the acronym of time. T is for time. How much time do I need to, to do this thing? Okay. Absorb the material in one hour. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's T. One hour. I is intention. Clear intention on what you're there to do. Absorb the material. Be word perfect mm-hmm. in one hour. Clear intention. M. M stands for mood, meditation, or music. Okay. In other words, what is the thing that you're going to create and like put you in a trance? For some people, it's coffee, a joint, binaural beats, right. uh, lighting a candle, whatever sets that mood, that meditation, or for a lot of people, they work with music on. Right. Whatever that is. And then you get to E. 
the most important part. It's like the little bow tie. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what he is? Oh, man. Expectation. <laughs> Energy? Oh, everybody says no. It's a trick question. E, eliminate distractions. Oh, perfect. Nice. Airplane mode, phone on silent, yeah. close the door. Whatever you got to do. I had an experience. I worked with a music producer who kept his phone on at all times and constantly you know, buzzing, ringing, Instagram this, Facebook right, that. Right. And I told him, like, hey, man, um, do you have sex with the door open? <laughs> He's like, what? Right. <laughs> he was like, look, man, I'm, I'm, here to, I'm here to come to inspiration. And I can't do it when you continue to leave the door open and allowing distractions to peep in. And so now that I – so that's something that really clicked for him. And we spend less time going back and forth on things and right. having our mind you know, constantly shifting as, a, as opposed to eliminating things. And really getting to this flow state to create results in whatever time you create the results. Wow, that's awesome. So that's yeah. part of my day right now. Yeah, distractions are so huge nowadays. And every, everything, everything. everything. Um, so what are some, who are some of your uh, biggest uh, influences right now? Uh, Tim Ferriss, Elon Musk, uh, Kanye West, yeah. Justin Timberlake, uh, Van Gogh. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm big on the outliers. Ayn Rand was a huge, I'm a huge fan of Ayn Rand, the writer. Um, nice. And uh, I would say everybody who's like breaking the mold, mm-hmm. everybody who's challenging things. Uh, Jordan Peterson's a big influence yeah. to me. Yeah. You've heard Jordan I Peterson? Have, I love Jordan. <laughs> a lot of people don't like him, but, uh, but hey, a lot, a lot yeah. of people don't like a lot of people change the world. So it's yeah, cool. JP is a big influence on me. Um, yeah, I think I learn, I learn a little bit from everybody. Of course, There's yeah. things that I take from you know, pro athletes, for example, like I've read the story of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the book Relentless? I heard of it. Yeah, I have not read it. It is. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So I just I put that in my, uh, <laughs> my reading. <journey. laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think I take a little bit from everybody mm-hmm. and formulate my own ways of being. Um, Perfect. I mean, that's how you, that's how you got to do it for sure. Um, so you got the, uh, you got the tiny house working. You got musica. <laughs> yeah, so I love that. <laughs> By the way, I was like, "Wait, music on the side? Wait, no." It's <laughs> like, "Oh." Um, and then you have um, the, the the apparel as well. Are you still moving forward with that, or is oh still- no, no, that's it's not mine. Oh, okay. So that's a company. That's a company that does. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's what you that's what you use. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's as we finish out with with JC, um, I want you to leave one thing with my audience. Um, for those who may be looking for an answer um, to keep going, or for those who just lost all motivation, um, and for those people that that want to pursue acting or music, you know, and just mm-hmm. to be in this industry, you know how tough this industry mm-hmm. is. So what's something that you can leave with them? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll quote my favorite acting teacher, Diana Castle. You create the world you play in. There's uh, in life, there's there's nothing to get. It's just what are you creating? What are you committed to? What is your vision? And what are you creating in this moment? What are you creating now? Yeah. Now, right now, we're creating connection right, right here, right now. Right. Uh, and now, and also being clear with what are you creating? Big picture. What are you committed to creating? And I think. Uh, for any artist out there and any human being, like take that moment, take that moment to uh, take that moment to really identify what's important to you. 
Right. I don't know what that is. Go out, like, in the ocean, go into the woods, take a bunch of, like, mushrooms. I don't care. Like, find out what it is that's that, that you're compelled to do as a human being, and every day take a step forward towards that. Wow. That's, that's a good thing to leave. Um, there was something else I was going to say. <laughs> I'll edit this part out. Um, yeah, so it's it, a lot of times, you know, people say, oh, this life's too short. But I, don't, I feel that, you know, life is not too short at all. It's, it's getting just, longer. <laughs> right? It's getting longer, for yeah. one. But it's it's the time that we put into it. It's it's the time that we don't do things that make it short. How we hesitate, where we wait, you know, on doing what we want to do and pursue mm-hmm. our goals and our dreams. That that makes it seem like time um, is is um, that we have a very low amount of time in um, in life. Um, and it's not so much the time; it's just what you do and what you put into your life. And I think you are just awesome on a great path. You have so much to offer the world, um, voice, and just, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, inspiring and motivating people. And believe, like, once you give out so much, you're going to receive so much back. And it's just been proven time and time again. And, you know, I'm such a big believer of karma. Um, So as we close out with JC, my boy, uh, please go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you, where they can support you, what they can do for you, and what's next. Uh, you can find me online and just Google JC Gonzalez. My YouTube is JC Gonzalez Music. I am on Facebook under JC Gonzalez. And you can find me on Instagram on a handle that I just changed. <laughs> Because I'm going, I, I went back to Juan. Um, nice. Wait, I re- literally just changed my my thing. Oh, uh, you can find me on Instagram at one, the number one, Camilo Music. One, Camilo Music. Awesome. And so, what's next for you, bud? Uh, well, right now I have a major project coming out in the uh, with music, uh, with a producer named Christian Davis, who is uh, the, one of the main songwriters for Christina Aguilera, Britney mm. Spears, and Sync, Backstreet Boys. Now he works with Lil Wayne, Tiger, Chris nice. Brown. Uh, so I have a music project that's going to be like the Justin Timberlake mixed with Post Malone in the Latin music world. Nice. So that's um that I'm really excited about. That's really I know. Awesome. I got some really exciting music, and I'll send you some of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I have a movie coming out this year uh, called Ernesto's Manifesto, where I play uh, one of the supporting roles. And then after that, we'll just have to find we'll out because I'm still it. creating it. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll be we'll be in touch. We'll stay tuned. We'll welcome you back to the show later on. <laughs> Thank you so much, JC. It was great talking to you. Thank you all for listening and tuning in to Why Wait. We'll be right back. A moment to la vida. Donde tenemos una oportunidad. Este momento perfecto. Olvida el pasado. Sigue el futuro. Vive el presente. Listos. Ya. Si sientes lo que yo siento. Si tú sientes que ya el miedo se va. Sigamos la vía. And we'll find the way. Y vamos a parar Tú sabes que el momento solo es Listen 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on Why Wait. I'd like to thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you all enjoyed this episode. And I truly hope you are all inspired and motivated by Juan Camilo's story. He's an incredible human being with an incredible heart and soul. And his transformation story is such gold. Honestly, such gold. And I hope you all were touched and moved by it. If you were, and if something resonated with you, please, I would love for you to go ahead and hit that like, subscribe, or um, favorite button. And go ahead and do that, folks, if you love this episode. Also, if you would love anyone else to hear this message, go ahead and share with your family, your friends, your colleagues. Do whatever you have to do. Go ahead and put this message in front of many people as possible. Thank you so much for all your support, folks. You can find me on um, Instagram at WhyWait. Also, on Facebook at WhyWait. Thank you once again for all your support and tuning in on today's episode. And the next time that you ask yourself, are you good enough? The next time someone tells you no, the next time you want something so bad, you can taste it, feel it, and see it. Ask yourself one question. Why wait?